Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. Welcome to the afternoon show. Bill Arnold here with Rosie B behind the board, and we've got an hour that is going to be exciting for all of us, Rosie and I in particular, because our friend Daryl B. Harrison is joining us, and he is the Dean of Social Media at Grace to You, and he's also a fellow of the Black Theology and Leadership Institute at Princeton Theological Seminary, and always love having Daryl on. And we're continuing our series. Uh, on the words of Jesus in Scripture. So if you have a red-letter edition Bible, you'll see the words of Jesus in red letters. And that's what we're talking about on this series on Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Central Time. Daryl's in Southern California, so it's uh, mid-afternoon for him. And I'm glad I'm getting you before your second nap. Daryl, welcome. How do you, you know I take my second nap around this time of day, Daryl, come on. I, I know how you operate. <laughs> it's the same schedule hey, I'm on. <laughs> how you doing, Bill? I'm good doing good. With you, man. I'm doing good, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. I was telling uh, I was telling Rosie off air, man, how excited. I am. I'm always excited to be with you and her, for that matter, and everyone there uh, who's affiliated with your, with your show. But, Appreciate man, it. this topic today, man, I am really jacked to talk about this. No, this I'm, is going to be great. I'm excited, too. We're going to look at uh, John chapter 5 and verse 24 today. Uh, are we doing beyond verse 24, or are we going to spend our whole time there? Yeah, man, we're going to go way beyond verse 24. We're going to go way beyond the Gospel of John. Okay, okay, good. Uh, so we'll see how the Holy Spirit guides our conversation, but I have several texts of note that I'd like to try to get to in the time that we have yeah. together. But yeah. I'll go ahead and start at John five twenty four. okay? I'm going to be reading from the New American Standard uh, Bible Translation. So in John five twenty four. This is Jesus speaking. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but has passed out of death into life. So that's my red letter verse, uh, Builder. I want to sort of uh, have it serve as our launching uh, point into this conversation about salvation. And a primary reason, I was sharing this with uh, Rosie via email this week, a primary reason that that word salvation jumped out to me as my red letter word is because, uh, especially in my travels uh, this year and interacting with believers all across the country, what I found to be a consistent area of concern is that many believers are having uh, struggles with assurance of salvation. Mm -hmm. They're having, they're struggling for whatever reason, for various reasons, they are fighting a battle of assurance and they're not really sure that they're saved uh, to begin with, or they they sort of vacillate between being sure about it and unsure about it. I thought that perhaps your listeners, uh, by God's grace, may be helped and edified. Maybe someone who's listening to your program today, who's, uh, who can relate to that might be helped uh, by virtue of our conversation uh, today. So the significance of John 5, 24, especially as it relates to a professing believer who is struggling with assurance, is that in this verse, 
you have a very succinct, very clear, unambiguous biblical picture of what salvation is. But before we sort of exegete that text, I want to exegete the word salvation. I want to define what that word is, because I think definitions are key to helping folks understand the context of what you're talking about. So in the Greek, the word salvation is the Greek word soteria, soteria, that's S-O-T-E-R-I-A. And what that word means, it, it, it denotes deliverance, preservation, salvation, and it's speaking specifically of the spiritual and eternal deliverance granted immediately by God mm. to those who accept his conditions of repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, in whom alone salvation is, be, is to be obtained. So we know that from Acts chapter 4, verse 12, that there is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. So that definition of salvation, again, is the spiritual and eternal deliverance granted immediately by God to those who accept his conditions of repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, in whom alone salvation is to be obtained. Now, why is that definition important? So you heard me read that definition twice, and then within that definition are these words, spiritual and eternal deliverance granted I love that. immediately by God. Mm. It's granted by God. That is the one area when we're talking about this doctrine of salvation that many believers who struggle with assurance, they struggle with the fact that salvation is granted. It's a gift. We know this, uh, and, and here's where we're going to sort of um, delve into areas outside of John chapter 5. We know this, for example, in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, and you're going to hear me flip to several pages of Scripture uh, here, Bill, as we talk during this hour. But in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, the Apostle Paul writes this, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. Let me pause there. As when, it, when it comes to this issue of assurance of salvation, Bill, my experience is in talking to, to, to several people who, who struggle in this area is that they struggle to accept that salvation has nothing to do with them, with respect to them having to work for it, that there is nothing that God expects them to do to earn it. So they struggle with these words of Paul here. He says, that by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Again, it's a gift of God. That, re that Greek word gift means it has been granted to you by God. We see that word granted in the definition that we read earlier. Paul continues, he says, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. So you would think that it's simple enough in Scripture that salvation is a matter of God volitionally and willingly granting it to us by faith. But you might be surprised at the number of believers that struggle to accept that reality. Mm. That, that, so, that's an awesome, awesome point. And I'm so glad we're talking about this, Daryl, because it's so true. People do struggle with this. Yeah, we have, we have to start here. We really do. We have, it's fundamental that we start here. In helping, in this case, Bill, as you and I are dialoguing about this, helping your listeners, especially those who may be struggling in this area, to understand, number one, what salvation is. We just, we've defined that. 
And, and, and again, I want to reiterate it now for a third time that salvation is a spiritual and eternal deliverance from the penalty of our sin that's granted immediately by God to those who accept his conditions of repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there's one particular text, and Bill, I know you'll do this as we get close to your break time, so you just go ahead and jump in here okay. um, as necessary while I'm talking. But I really want to take your listeners to a, a really key text here in the New Testament. It's in the epistle of Titus, Titus chapter 3, verses 5 through 7. This is one of the most beautiful verses that any believer who is struggling with assurance of salvation can ever hear read or read for themselves is Titus 3 verses 5 through 7. Again, reading from the New American Standard Translation. Titus writes this, he says, He, that is God, God saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we will be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. That's Titus 3, verses 5 through 7. So scripture, we have other texts that I would like to get to as we talk during this hour. But again, I want to, and I hope your listeners at home, especially not those who may be driving it right now, or are listening to us can just take notes on these scripture references and then just make them into their own little personal Bible study as we talk about this doctrine of salvation and, and how that's how God works out that salvation in us through his Holy Spirit. Yeah, so good. Daryl, give us that last verse one more time. It was Titus three yeah, eleven? Right. That that last passage was Titus chapter three, Titus three verses five through seven. Five through seven. Got you. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. For some reason I thought I heard sure. eleven. Yeah, but five five through seven. All right, we'll take a little break. We will come back as we continue our our series. The words of Jesus, they would be the uh, red words if you've got a red letter edition Bible. You're not going to see them in your regular Bible if it's not a red letter edition. But we are with Daryl B. Harrison, my friend, and I'm so glad that he was able to spend time with us tonight. We'll be right back in just a minute. We want to pray for you. We all need prayer. We would love to pray for you. The Faith Radio team is serious about prayer, and we pray for specific listener requests every week. Share your prayer requests with us anonymously and securely on our website at myfaithradio.com. I normally don't go tell people to listen to somebody else's podcast. Why would I do that when I have my own? But I'm going to go out on a limb and say, you must go to justthinking.me. Justthinking.me. That is the podcast of my guest, um, Daryl B. Harrison, and he does it with Virgil Walker, and it's a fantastic uh, website, and I enjoy going there myself and listening. Justthinking.me. We are back in our series of words that Jesus spoke and it is uh, what we call the Red Word series. And we are talking today to Daryl about 
John chapter 5. That's where we're starting in verse 24 in the New, New American Standard uh, Bible. It says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but has passed out of death into life. I love the word, uh, Daryl, you were talking about when God grants you salvation. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. instantaneous. I love the word "grant." I think it's a powerful word. Yeah, it's a very powerful word. And when you look at that word in the New Testament, there are positive uses of that word, and then there are what we may call negative uses of that word "grant." And one negative use, and uh, I want your listeners to understand that I'm putting the word "negative" in quotation marks here, air quotes. But one negative use of that word is in Philippians chapter one verse 29, Philippians 1.29, where the Apostle Paul says that for you, for, for to believers, for to you it has been granted not only to believe in Christ Jesus, but to also suffer for his sake. So we, 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 when it comes to looking at that word granted, we have to look at it holistically. So positively, yes, God has granted us salvation by faith in Christ Jesus, but along with that granting, comes another dimension of granting, another dimension of gifting, and that is uh, the gift of suffering. Um, and interestingly, Bill, you just, uh, and I appreciate you doing that, you just alluded to the Just Thinking podcast that I co-host with uh, Virgil Walker. It just so happens that the next uh, episode that we're going to be doing, which will be the final episode that we release for calendar year 2022, is titled A Biblical Theology of Suffering. Oh, wow. Uh, Biblical theology of suffering. So we're going to, we're hopeful that that episode will help edify the body of Christ in having a biblical view of suffering, particularly as as it relates to suffering being something that we should give thanks to God for. Mm-hmm. Um, so be on the lookout for that. Uh, we're going to, we plan to release that episode on Wednesday, December 7th. Okay. Wednesday, December 7th. But I'm glad you came back from the break. Uh, at John 5.24, because I want to go back there for a second. The reason this verse popped out at me is because when you read it, you look at the simplistic uh, construct of what salvation is. Jesus himself says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has, that's a present tense verb, has, has eternal life. It's that simple. It's that simple. You hear the gospel, you believe, using Jesus' words here, he who hears and believes, you have eternal life. There is nothing more for you to add to that. There is nothing more that you can add to that. But again, as it relates to this issue of assurance of salvation, There is something within us, something within our still fallen nature that we want to add to that salvific formula there in in John 5, 24. Mm -hmm. There's something we want to add to that. There's something within us where we sort of apply the old adage, well, this is just too good to be true. This can't, this can't be true. Or, Or if we, if we don't say generally that it can't be true, We'll get even more specific, and we'll say, well, that can't be true for me. And what, what Satan will do, he'll get you to uh, 
uh, what I like to call, he'll, he'll crank up the movie camera in your head. And what he'll do is start replaying all those old sins as if you're watching a film of a movie. And he'll start replaying all those old sins that you've committed, all those sins and all those lies you've told, all that profanity you've used, all the, uh, all the worst sins that you can recall that you've committed. And then he'll use that to destroy what you're uh, reading from the, words, from the words of the Lord Jesus Christ himself, who we know, Scripture says, cannot lie. But Satan will get you to doubt. He'll get you to doubt, and he'll get you to sort of uh, reconstruct this definition of salvation, uh, not in terms of what Jesus said here in five in John five twenty four, but he'll get you to recreate your own definition of salvation. That's a works based salvation, as opposed to what we've been talking about, as it relates to salvation being a gift that God gives you uh, by faith. So we have to be careful because, but, but that is where most people's struggle with assurance starts. It starts with doubting what God himself has said. Daryl, when people struggle with assurance, is there a connection to having a lack of surrender to God? If you, if you are holding back, you're not fully surrendered. Might that produce a struggle about your assurance? Yes, that may. That may, and, and matter of fact, I'll go even further. It probably does. Okay. That's, prob- that, that, that's probably the main contributor to a professing believer's uh, uh, onset of uh, doubting their assurance. And uh, in that same vein, Bill, I want to go to two passages of Scripture here. The first one is Second Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, where the Apostle Paul says this. He says, test yourselves to see if you are in the faith. Examine yourselves, or do you not recognize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail the test? So what you're talking about, Bill, really is this testing, this self-examination this self-testing that the Apostle Paul is encouraging every believer to apply to himself or to herself. Now, along those same lines of thought, I want to go to 2 Peter chapter 1, 2 Peter 1, verses 10 and 11, 2 Peter 1, verses 10 and 11, where the Apostle Peter has a similar exhortation as what we just read from the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 13. This is 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 10 and 11. The Apostle Peter writes this. He says, Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord Jesus, I'm sorry, into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be abundantly supplied to you. Now, Let's take those two verses, 2 Corinthians 13, 5, and then 2 Peter 1, verses 10 to 11. Let's call that one bookend. Now let's go to 1 John 3 for the other bookend, because here's, here's what the outcome of that testing should ideally look like. 1 John chapter 3, verse 9. This is hugely important, hugely important. The Apostle John writes this. He says, no one who is born of God 
practices sin. So there's the answer to your question, Bill. Okay. No one who professes to be a, a, a believer, no one who professes to be born of God, practices sin. Now, we all sin. We all still sin. We're going to sin until the Lord takes us home. But no true regenerate believer sins by practice or habit or lifestyle. That is totally antithetical to what a saved, a professing saved person's life should look like. So you cannot say on the one hand, yes, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that I trust my salvation uh, in him. And yet you go out here and you just live any way you choose. Uh, You can't have that. Now, although salvation is not by works, the person who is saved, their life should reflect varying degrees of sanctification. And you achieve that sanctification by obeying God, not disobeying him. So first John three nine is a is a is critical a critical text in answering your question there, Bill. Mm-hmm. I you know, Daryl, I just had this thought when you talk about obeying him, what about when people are more compliant than they are obedient? They're they're thinking, well, if I do this, I won't make God mad. That's not really obedience. That's like you're always trying to cut a deal with him. Yeah, and that's uh, uh, not to offend anyone, but that that actually is at the heart of Roman Catholicism. If you want to go back to uh, Martin Luther in the 16th century, that's that's the one thing that was a thorn in the side of Martin Luther. All this compliance that you had to do, all these works that you had to do to please who Luther thought was incredibly angry God. Luther thought that if you stepped out of line even an inch with God, that God was ready to strike you dead. Uh, and, but God used that, ex- used Luther's experience as a Roman Catholic uh, and an ascetic who, who used to just punish himself to ingratiate himself with God because he didn't understand God's grace. He didn't understand it. But then the Lord opened his eyes where he read in Romans that the just shall live by faith. The just, not sh- the just shall not live by compliance. Remember, we are not only saved, but in that salvation, we are justified by Christ's propitiatory sacrificial work on the cross. So we're not just saved, we're justified vicariously through what Christ did. So the person who is operating in fear, and that's fundamentally what you're talking about here, mm-hmm. the person who is compliant with Christ is operating in fear. They're operating in fear of a God who they don't know. And they don't know him. So I would encourage that person to get into the word of God, read the gospel, start with the gospel of John. And you'll come to understand that this is not some evil ogre uh, sitting up there in heaven, just waiting for you to make a mistake or sin. He's omniscient. He already knows not only that you're going to sin, he's going to know what kind of sin you're going to commit, when you're going to commit it, and how you're going to commit it. Mm-hmm. But the the blood of Christ covers your past sins, in your your present day sins, and your sins that are yet to be committed. He mm-hmm. covers his blood covers all of that. Yeah. All right, Daryl. We're going to, have to take a break. When we come back, more with Daryl B. Harrison. We're continuing our series on the words of Jesus. I'm loving the study. If you've missed any of it, you're going to want to definitely go to the beginning at myfaithradio.com and check it out. Get the podcast. We'll be right back.
It's the Afternoon Show with Bill Arno. Drive time, drive time, let's get it started. Jump in your car, what's for dinner? It's the Afternoon Show with Bill Arno. Welcome to the show. If you just joined me, my guest is Daryl B. Harrison, and I know what the B stands for. And I'm not going to tell you quite yet, but I will maybe later in the show. We are in the uh, words of Jesus. So if you have a red letter edition Bible, you will find that in the uh, in the red words on the pages. And Daryl is uh, the Dean of Social Media at Grace to You. It's the uh, media ministry of the uh, John MacArthur, the pastor teacher at Grace Community Church in Sun Valley, California. He is the fellow of the Black Theology and Leadership Institute at Princeton. Always glad to have him on. So just got a, me- a, a message from a, a listener that said, so if I have faith, that's all I have to do, nothing else, question mark. And I'll let you answer that, Daryl. Yeah, I'll let Jesus answer that. <laughs> <I> mean, that's, <laughs> that's even better. That's what, that's what we're reading in John five twenty four. This is what Jesus himself said. This, this is not the gospel of Daryl. This is the gospel of John, who has recorded the words of Jesus here, where Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, he said, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me. I don't know what else there is to say. Yeah. He who he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but has passed out of death into life. So in, in that text, you have two requirements followed by two promises. The two requirements are, number one, you have to hear the gospel. You hear his word, he who hears my word. The second requirement is that you believe. The two promises are that you have eternal life and you don't come into judgment. Now, you contrast that with John 3.36, and I'll turn there real quick. John 3.36, where we have um, a, a stark contrast to those two promises. In John 3.36, the same author uh, uh, of that verse in verse 5, John 3.36 says, He who believes in the Son, again, here, here's that simple promise. He, he who believes in the Son has eternal life, but he who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. So in that one text, you have two real-time, present-day realities. The one is that he who believes in Christ has eternal life, whereas the one who doesn't believe is under God's wrath right now. That's a present-day reality. Mm -hmm. So for the unbeliever, when John says that the wrath of God abides on him, that word abides is a present-tense verb. So we're not talking about God's wrath being upon that person only when that person, if and when that person dies and goes to hell. You're under God's wrath right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but yes, to answer the caller's question again, I'll just have to repeat the words of Jesus, what Jesus himself said. He who hears my word and believes. Now, one, one important caveat here is that we don't have in and of ourselves the power to believe. Christ himself, by his Holy Spirit, has to bring us to a place of faith. And again, this is where the struggle with assurance fundamentally begins with many, many people. They have this idea that salvation begins with them, 
that they cooperate with God in their salvation. Well, God does his part, and I have to do my part. And if they believe that, then they go on believing that they have to continue doing their part in order to stay saved. Mm-hmm. But that negates the whole idea that salvation is a gift. Right. I, I don't want to do anything to keep it. Yeah, Daryl, I don't want to put words in my listener's mouth that, that sent the message over, but he talked about, you know, what about the book of James? I I think what he's saying is, so you place your faith in Christ and then nothing else. And I think I think what he's might be suggesting is then God has a purpose for our life and calls us to do uh, good works. And it's not something we have to do. It's something we get to do. Yeah, see, I would point, I would point, and I, I know exactly where you're going, but I would point that listener back from James. I would point him back to the Gospel of John. I think it may even be in John chapter three, where John the Baptist says that we are to do works in keeping with repentance. So works, works and salvation are not two separate um, ideas. Uh, the the works that we do are not salvific works. That's what the caller has, has to understand. They're not salvific works. They're sanctifying works. These are works that are post-salvation, mm-hmm. not that, that result in salvation. They're post-salvation work. Christ does the work of saving us. And as a result of that, out of our love for what he has done for us, we do these works that are in keeping with the salvation that he has gifted us with. That is incredibly important for your listeners to understand. These are works of sanctification, not salvation. Awesome. All right, Daryl, let's, uh, let's jump. Are we going to go to first John? We're going to go to first John because we're going to spend a, a, a bit of time here because first John is an excellent epistle uh, with respect to uh, reaffirming um, um, that salvation is a gift of God, that it's a matter of faith, it's a matter of God bringing us to faith in Christ. That 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 that, that is uh, that, that that belief is the central hinge on which salvation turns. So we're going to spend some time here in First John on several texts. And again, Bill, just interrupt me when it's time for your break, sure. brother. But I want to start in First John chapter two, verse twenty-five. 1 John 2.25, I love the simplicity of this sentence. John says, this is the promise which he himself made to us, colon, eternal life. That's a promise. Mm. Eternal life. This is the promise which he himself made to us, eternal life. That's the whole verse. That's that's the whole verse. Yeah. That's the whole verse. Now, that that verse is only going to do you any good if you believe that. If you believe that God in his character and nature has made this promise and that he's going to keep it, he's going to keep it to every single person to whom he brings to faith in him through his son, Jesus Christ. This is the promise which he himself made, John says here. He himself, God himself has made this promise. This is not a second or third-hand promise. This is not a promise that came from the apostles. This is not some second or third-hand promise that came from some televangelist on TV. God himself, John writes here in 1 John 2, 25, this is a promise which he himself made to us. That is eternal life, okay? Yeah. Staying in 1 John, I want to go to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John 5, we're going to look at verses 12 through 14. 1 John 5, verses 12 through 14. 
He who has the Son has the life. Another way of saying that is he who believes in the Son of God, namely Jesus Christ, has eternal life. He who has the Son has the life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. So essentially what John is saying here is that there's two groups of people on this, on this planet. There's people who have eternal life, and then there's those who don't. It's, it's pretty much that simple. Mm-hmm. So that's First John five twelve, verse 13. These things I have written to you who believe. There's that word again, believe. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know, so that you may know. That Greek word there is, that, is the word gnosko, gnosko, which means so that you may understand, so that you may realize, so that you may grasp, so that you may conceive that you have eternal life, it says. Verse 14, this is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So again, this is First John chapter 5, verses 12 through 14. And now I also want to go back one chapter to First John chapter 4, verse 15, where John writes this, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. That's, a, that's another one-verse definition of what salvation is. Salvation is essentially that by faith, I abide in Christ, and he, in, he abides in me. Okay? Now, one last one in First John that I want to go to is one we've already touched on earlier, and that is John chapter 3, verse 9, where John writes, No one who is born of God practices sin because his seed, that is God's seed, that is God's Holy Spirit, abides in him. And he cannot sin by practice. He cannot sin as a habit, as a lifestyle, because he is born of God. Now, that's a tough first for the culture today to wrap their arms around, because what the culture wants to do is they want to sort of take a warped definition of God's love. You've heard the phrase, Bill, love is love. That mm-hmm. seems to be the phrase of the culture these days. They want to take a warped definition of that, of that, of God's love and and, and sort of uh, uh, proffer to you an idea of God's love that has no boundaries. That uh, as long as uh, as long as I'm mo- a moral person, uh, that that God's going to allow me into His uh, heaven uh, when I die. That God's not going to reject. He's not. He's not going to discipline me. God's wrath will never touch me. But First John three nine uh, is totally antithetical to that. Uh, 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 so God does care about whether you sin or not. Jesus himself said in Luke 6, 46, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Uh, so we can't uh, accept uh, um, what the gospel says about salvation being a free gift and then live our, live a free, boundaryless life. Uh, those two are like oil and water. Mm. I have to say, Daryl, I'm I'm still a little stuck on First John four fifteen that says, okay. if anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. That verse just jumped off the page and poked me in the eyes. Good thing I have my safety goggles on because because <laughs> I you know yeah, and, and, it, this could yeah, be trouble. Understand that, that word that word acknowledges means more than just uttering it with your mouth. Yes. Okay. What, what what that verse points us back to is what the Apostle Paul writes in Romans um, uh, ten uh, verse nine verses nine and ten, 
that if we confess with our mouths and, and, and uh, believe in our hearts that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. So it's not just an utterance from the mouth, a, a verbal or, or oral acknowledgement. It's a heart thing that begins in the heart and then comes out as a confession in the mouth. So there's a lot that goes into that one word. So I just want your listeners to understand this is not some sort of a recitation of a, a series of words that the Apostle John is talking about here. Uh, when we, we acknowledge, we confess, that is to from a state of conviction and belief yeah, it's, that Jesus is the Son of God. It's not a casual mental ascent, is it? No, no. It begins in the heart. Mm-hmm. It begins in the heart. And that's where God regenerates us in our hearts so that we have faith, so that we can make this confession. Yeah, very helpful, uh, Daryl. Really good. Thank you for bringing more light onto that verse, because I, I, I think that's an important topic, and I'm glad you covered it. So thank you. Um, let me sure. take let me take our, our last break. Daryl Harrison is my guest, and we're in our series on the words of Jesus, and we're going to take a break, but when we come back, we're going to continue uh, looking at some powerful passages on salvation and the assurance of salvation. Be right back. Faith Radio and Afternoons with Bill podcasts are available because of listener support. If you are a supporter, thank you so much. Becoming a supporter today by visiting MyFaithRadio.com. Welcome back. Daryl Harrison is my guest. We're in our Words of Jesus series, and we're in John chapter 5, verse 24. We're talking about salvation and assurance of it. And Daryl, you've done a spectacular job and given us so much great scripture connecting the dots. It's it's like a nice piece of hard candy. You just got to put it in your mouth and just spend time with it. Yeah, that's a great uh, that's a great metaphor uh, for that, Bill. And I was just thinking as we were talking just for those few seconds that the the beauty of studying God's word is that you you come to learn to let Scripture interpret Scripture. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you you sort of alluded it alluded to it already. Uh, all the passages that we've gone through just kind of build on each other. They kind of build on each other. And the 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 the, the beauty of how God and His providence has given us these 66 books of the Bible is that the more, the more time we spend in them, the more uh, rigor we invest in studying his word, we understand that scripture interprets scripture. Um, so then when we're finding that out here, as we discuss this idea of, uh, of salvation, that there are uh, countless verses and we've only touched on the new Testament. We really haven't been to the old Testament yet. But just in the New Testament alone, there are verses upon verses that help us to understand this uh, this doctrine of salvation, this doctrine of soteriology, to use a theological term. And these are verses where you're not going to see the word salvation in there. You're not going to see the English word salvation in there, but you will see the doctrine taught 
in there. And that's what we see in John 5:24. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. That's salvation. To have to possess eternal life is what salvation is by definition. And speaking of the definition, if you don't mind, Bill, I want to go back one more time to that Greek definition that I gave early on in our conversation. Perhaps there's a listener of yours who's just now joining uh, in this uh, conversation, is just now listening in, who may have missed that. But again, uh, the, the idea of salvation uh, denotes this by definition. It speaks to the spiritual and eternal deliverance from the penalty of our sin. That's what we owe God, each and every one of us. Every single human being who's ever inhabited this planet was conceived as a sinner. So we are all, we all owe a sin debt to God by virtue of our very existence because we're born inheriting a sin nature from our first parents, that is Adam and Eve. The salvation by definition, the spiritual and eternal deliverance granted immediately by God to those who accept his conditions of repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, in whom alone salvation is to be obtained, and upon confession of him as Lord, and it's for this purpose, for the purpose of salvation, that the gospel is the saving instrument. So what what I'm saying there is that, is that God has chosen to uh, to convey uh, the uh, 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 reality that we are sinners in need of salvation, he has deemed it in his providential wisdom that the gospel be preached as the vehicle to get his word out to the world that every person needs to be saved. Every person needs to come to faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sin. The gospel, God has chosen the gospel, the preaching of his word, to be the vehicle whereby we get that word out to the world. So good. Another great comment came in, Daryl, from a listener saying, uh, true faith is not void of repentance, and that faith is not only head knowledge, but involves heart trust in Jesus. Repentance prepares the heart for trusting in him. Yeah, so as we said before the break, it all starts in the heart. Yeah. That's where it begins. That's where it begins. Now you hear as we, as we see here in, in uh, John 5, 24, Jesus says that I, I say to you, he who hears. So you have to hear the word first. So you hear, so the, the, hearing the gospel first, hearing the truth of the gospel is going to resonate first in the mind. Okay? It's going to resonate first. And you're going to have a mental awareness, a mental ascent of the gospel initially. But the gospel has to be believed. And that's where the heart comes in. You don't believe in your mind. You believe and you hear in your mind, but you believe in your heart. And that's a work of the Holy Spirit. That's what that's a work exclusively of the Holy Spirit, where the Holy Spirit takes what you've heard, and then he res- he causes what the Word of God to resonate in your heart so that he brings you to faith. He brings you to a place of believing what you've heard. It's no different than um, what we see in Acts where uh, Philip encounters the Ethiopian eunuch who happened to be reading the prophet Isaiah. And the first thing Philip asked him, do you understand what you're reading? Now he wasn't asking the eunuch, do you know how to read? Mm -hmm. What he was, what he was asking the eunuch is, do you grasp the, the heart 
significance of what you're reading. So it's not, he wasn't just reading uh, words on a page. He wasn't just reading um, uh, sentences that are grouped together in paragraphs. But what Philip was commanded to do by the Holy Spirit was go to that eunuch and teach him the significance of the eternal significance of what he was reading. He was reading the words of an almighty, omniscient, eternal God to whom one day he's going to be held account. Uh, So it's more than just a mental ascent. The caller is absolutely correct. There are um, aspects and layers of salvation to include confession of sin, repentance of sin. So it's not just uh, believing, it's not a standalone uh, concept. We, but we talked about this. Um, the, the professing believer who continues to live a habitual lifestyle of sin, they've neither, they've neither confessed or repented. So um, there is a place for confession and repentance, but again, that is post uh, um, that is post the work of the Holy Spirit in the human heart to bring you to faith. The reason you can confess and repent is because the Spirit of God has regenerated your heart so that you confess and repent and, and as a result of believing. Um, you know, these are really heavy doctrinal uh, issues that we, we will never exhaust uh, in, in an hour's time, unfortunately. Yeah, so true. Speaking of an hour's time, Daryl, I think we've got about four or five minutes left, so let's uh, start coming to uh, whatever conclusions we w- uh, you want to uh, or what you want to remind people of or what's in their brown paper bag as the takeaway as they as they head into their, their homes tonight. Yeah, one takeaway, and I would like to uh, um, refer back to the Just Thinking podcast that I co-host with Virgil Walker. We have an episode, I believe it's episode number 99, uh, so Bill, as you alluded to earlier, if our listeners are inclined to, uh, to go to justthinking.me, that's justthinking.me, you can go to our website, click the podcast tab, and then just clo- uh, scroll down to episode 99. That, that, uh, episode is titled Assurance of Salvation. It is one of our most listened to episodes. And we've, uh, over the, over the course of the five years that we've been doing the podcast, Bill, we, we uh, by God's grace, we've, uh, amassed more than five and a half million downloads. And that episode on assurance of salvation is one of the most listened to episodes that we've done. And we've done 120 episodes. Mm -hmm. So I would encourage our listeners to go back there, listen to that episode, especially if you're struggling with assurance of salvation. And then secondarily, uh, if you're able to take notes, but even if you weren't, when this recording is available, I would encourage you to go back and listen to this recording again, and then listen to it again and again hmm. and again. Uh, because I know speaking for myself, uh, for my own sanctification, I have to read these verses over and over and over again, praying that the Lord would embed these truths into my mind and heart so that I can live them out. Daryl, we could have spent an hour on each one of these verses. And you, you cited, you cited probably six or seven verses in this hour. And really, we could have spent a lot of time on each verse. Do I have thirty seconds, and I can? I like to reiterate the, those verses again. Just yeah, no, no, no. You've got uh, you have three minutes, two minutes. Awesome. Yeah. Okay, let's let's go through these real quick. Ephesians chapter two, verses eight and nine. 
in case your listeners are taking notes, Ephesians okay. 2, 8, and 9. How about the host taking Titus, notes? <laughs> Titus chapter 3, verses 5 through 7. Titus 3, 5 through 7. Okay. And there's several verses in 1 John. 1 John 2, 25. 1 John 3, 9. 1 John 4, 15. 1 John 5, 1. 1 John 5, verses 12 through 14. And then there is also 2 Corinthians 13, 5. And then 2 Peter 1, verses 10 and 11. 2 Peter 1, verses 10 and 11. And then, of course, the cornerstone verse was John 5, 24. Right. John 5, 24. Okay, I've got all these written down, and I've got some homework that I'm going to enjoy doing, uh, going over these verses and, and re-listening to the podcast. So that's awesome. Thank you, Daryl. Thank you, Bill. Thank you again, man, for having me. And listen, because I probably won't speak to you again between now and Thanksgiving, I want to wish you, your family, I want to wish Rosie and uh, her family a happy, blessed Thanksgiving day holiday for you, for you all. So we so appreciate that, Daryl. And the same to you and your family. And also uh, greetings to uh, Virgil. Thank you so much for doing the show. Sure, Bill, anytime. Yep, Daryl B. Harrison has been my guest. I teased you that I know his middle name. It's Bernard. Okay, that wraps up our show for the day. Thank you for spending time with me, and I hope you you were stimulated in your faith life today and that God's Word is now animated in your heart in a fresh way. Do get the podcast. Listen to it again. I plan to do that as well. But thank you for spending time with me. I've loved spending time with you. Have a great night. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.